Today's episode of Recapables Westworld on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A. And they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh, hot meals to hospitals and clinics fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants and businesses well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Please go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000, and if you have the means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that's theringer.com slash WCK. Welcome to Tinfoil Tuesday, your Wednesday tradition on the Recapables Westworld, because Tuesday, as we know it, is only a simulation. I am David Shoemaker, joined as always by the host I've been tormenting for 30 podcasts, Danny Heifetz, and our loyal producer, Bobby Wagner. We're about to have a mind-warping, spoiler-filled discussion of all the theories and speculations spilling out of Westworld Season 3, Episode 6, Decoherence. We'll also have some listener mail, so if you want to drop us a line for future episodes, please do. The email address is therecapablewestworld at gmail.com. There are no stupid questions, except if you're William's therapist. First things first, Danny, Bobby, how are we doing today? I'm having a lot of unwanted ideation. Can you guys help me? I've been trying to clone Danny for the last two weeks so that we could have more Danny Heifetzes to cover the upcoming NFL draft. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, if only the listeners knew how much boring conversation we've had about splitting Danny in half to be both a draft guru and a Westworld guru. Um, I, I suggested we'll just we have... just have like an all-encompassing AI make all the picks for every team, but no one really wanted to go that route. I was Well, they're already confused. having mock-mock drafts, so we're really not that far away from Rehoboam <laughs> taking the whole thing on. What if we leak all the, of the, uh, the big boards, though? Like, what if Dolores breaks in and dishes it all out to Bill Belichick? Just sends everyone their futures like, yeah, plot twist. The Browns aren't going to make the playoffs again. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like the Mets, but for football, it'll be great. Oh, man. Now my brain is breaking. Okay. Yeah, what I else just said, <laughs> I know it's pretty early in the po- in the episode for that. Um, <laughs> we just, I just mentioned Williams therapist. She had a good run. You know, one of my favorite. <laughs> it's kind of a walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a big decoherence and big William episode. Um, one of the things I kind of like about this season, um, as much as I sometimes complain about not having my bearings with the show, um, it, you know, they, they are able to keep mystery alive in terms of even just like who is going to be a character in this season. You know, when they, when you change the structure of a show so much, um, you know, we came into the season, not even knowing how much a role William was going to play at all. Um, we certainly didn't know for sure that he was going to have most of an episode dedicated to him. And there'd be so many of him that his screen time would actually, you know, be like triple the runtime of the episode. But, um, (laughs) we got a lot of, that's, it's all to say we got a lot of Williams this week. Um, so I assume we got a lot of William questions this week. Danny, am I correct in, in saying then? Oh, we got a lot of William questions this week. A lot of a lot, a lot of questions this week. Thank you for everyone sending in, and please feel free to send more in at therecapablewestworld at gmail dot com. Lot on William, lot on, and a lot on Dolores. I'm excited for this. Why don't we get right into it? What's our first William question? So we got a few on this. Tim said asked about William's hand. He said, "What is going on with William's hand?" The show makes it a point early <laughs> in this episode. Point is. No pun intended. The show makes it a point early in this episode to show him to take off his glove and massage his missing fingers. After he beats up the past versions of himself later in this episode, he touches his face and his hand looks fine. Uh, there's been a lot of questions about this and his hand and one, whether it means he's a host or what. And then does it mean some scenes are in a simulation and some are not? It's been a whole thing. I think there's two ways to look at this one in this episode. First... We see him with his hands fine in the therapist one, but not in the one where the meeting of the Williams. What do you make of that, David? I mean, to me, it's pretty straightforward that the that the therapy session 
is not a real thing. Um, that there's other evidence for that, like the existence of five different Williams. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, th- there's, and we talked about his hand earlier on, and I think that you know, as much of like an onion, you know, constantly peeling back layers as the show can be at times, they're pretty good at like setting the terms of engagement a little bit. And we've talked about that in terms of like the, 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 you know, screen dimensions and stuff for, or like the, you know, the filming dimensions for different screens for some things or different realities. We saw that last season a lot. I think that, you know, the, the way that they sort of teased his hand the first time we saw him this season, um, was their way of sort of, you know, letting us know that the hand would be a good indication of what's real and what's not. Yeah, the one thing I noticed in this therapy session that is weird is that there's like these metal tips that are kind of coming out of two of his fingers. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, that oh, wow, on one hand, I didn't mean, I swear I didn't mean to do that. Uh, literally on one hand, that could mean he's a host, but it also could just mean they had to fix his hand somehow. But do we want to get into the, the post credits? Well, one more thing. To me, this is all separate from the host human conversation. Because... I mean, I just watched that in the first, I mean, I just immediately, immediately think those are little nubs to hook on prosthetic fingers or something like that. Frankly, if he was a host, I don't think there'd be, there would be skin nubs unless it was part of a, part of a long term, like a long con to make this host think he's a human. But yeah, I mean, those little, the little things sticking out to me were just like, that's where the prosthetics hook on. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I I think that it's more commentary on the, I think it's more of the metaphor of it. I think it's just more a metaphor of he, the punishment mm-hmm. consequence for having paid something. Um, I have a more important question, though, on William. Another one. Go. Chris asks, can we get 30 seconds of Shoemaker commentating on the William versus William versus <laughs> William versus William beat down like a pro wrestling match? There was a chair. Um, no, I'm not going to do 30 seconds. There's two things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> two things come to mind immediately, which is... Um, the one time in one of my favorite moments in wrestling history when uh when the undertaker returned to take on the underfaker who was another uh undertaker lookalike who had been traipsing around pretending to be the undertaker for a while uh and the announcer was just like well, wait it's undertaker versus undertaker is it like like processing it in real time even though it was the most obvious thing that had ever happened and no one actually thought this other guy anyway moving on i think the appropriate reference here is the great Jim Ross, uh, one of his most famous lines when uh, McFoley was getting beat down was, uh, my God, that man has a family. Um, and you would probably, so you'd probably be Jim Ross yelling like, my God, that man has a family. Well, he used to have a family, but then his wife committed suicide <laughs> and he murdered his daughter and his son committed suicide also by drugs. What did James Dallas say? Don't bring up the family because you know what happened to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. For for the record, when you said you wouldn't do thirty seconds, that was definitely like fifty. But well, I would not not have like an impression. All right, well, that's beautiful. Um, thank you to Chris for that one. We also got a question from Jason. We a few questions on this. Um, the William blood prick. So there's been a lot of questions about in episode four. Yeah, Charlotte, explain this to me Charlotte. because I don't even know what's going on. With all this. right, so yeah, all right. So let's see if we can break this down. First of all, Jason's question: If Scottish Martin sent Bernard to the center where William is, why did Charlotte have to track him via his blood? A good question. So let's just rewind for a second here. Please. Charlotte in episode four pricks William's neck with like some blood and then sends him off to this private mental institution. We don't really know why. And then we see in genre, the next episode, we see that Connells, who again is Dolores, hands Bernard an iPad and said, this is where Ciroc keeps them, the ones that don't belong. And on the iPad is the Inner Journey Recovery Center which we know just from seeing a sign on the door, that's where William is. So we kind of, if you just happen to see that on the iPad, because it wasn't really in hidden view, you could have pieced together, okay, so Bernard and Stubbs are going to be heading to that place where William is. Right. So, okay, so that makes sense. So there's some blood thing that Charlotte's going to be doing. It must have been related to whatever William's in the center. That's why she needed his blood for something. And we already saw that blood is relevant for biometrics or whatever based on the bank robbery thing they did at the Apple store. So in this episode, they take like they there are these two texts and they give him that dental implant and they take some of his blood and it says unknown protein source. And we're like, okay, well, whatever this was for, this is what they needed his blood for. This is whatever Dolores wanted. 
it turns out that they were tracking him. So then as soon as they discover this p- protein in his blood or whatever, when they analyze it, it sends some signal back to Char Loris, who gets the message on her computer that, oh, like William's located. We tracked William. It's on her computer now. It's, it's actually says he's in Sonora, Sonora, Mexico, which that's a whole other thing. I should looked up the exact coordinates. It's um <laughs> at the El Pinacate Gran Desierto de Altar Biosphere. Basically, it's on an active volcano. <laughs> is actually the Wait, location the in real life. The institution that they're in is not just in like... It's in Mexico. Like, like East LA? It's in... No. It is in Sonora, Mexico, at specifically at a site of like... It is called the Elegant Crater. So that's a whole thing. But the larger point and the, the weird part of this is the very... The only part of this whole thing that's black and white is, oh, they took this thing out of his blood and then immediately Charlotte gets a notification and she's like, okay... She calls it a tracker, and she's like, all right, now we know where William is. But that doesn't make sense because Dolores already gave Bernard that information with the location. Like, they had already given Bernard the location. So this is why Jason's asking this question, which, again, the question was, if Scottish Martin sent Bernard to the center where William is, why did Charlotte have to track him via his blood? I don't know. I, I, I honestly, this is a great question. And the only thing that even makes sense to me is that there's some timeline stuff here. Or there's another reason that Charlotte sent Bernard. First of all, let me just say, I missed the whole blood tracking thing, I think, entirely. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. It said unknown protein detected. No, I saw that, was, that. But then what did but then what did Charlotte do to indicate that that's what she was using to find him? Like, didn't, I thought I just saw her looking on the I didn't I didn't see what button she pushed. Immediately after that, we saw it, it pop up on her screen that he had that they had found him, that they had located. So the pl- so t- if we take each half on its own terms, the idea was they put something in his blood so that when it was scanned and found, rather than actually have a tracking device of some sort that would be yeah yeah you would think yeah, it would be technologically possible if anything else is in yeah, his blood it would have to be in his blood because he's going to get like steam cleaned when he gets to the place. But <laughs> rather than do that, we just have put something inside of him that's going to set off some low-key alarm at a facility a million miles away and that it's basically just like setting up a Google alert for a word that you made up. So like you so exactly. if that is if wow, anybody that's... searches it you will be you will know 100% that like they have found the thing that you set up. Wow, that's yeah, Google alert. That's exactly what they did. They set up a Google okay, alert. Okay. So that's half one. Half two is before any of that happened, Charlotte directed bernard to go there yeah which is weird how do they know where to send him if they why did they need to track william if they already knew where to send him well okay the, i mean the only answer that makes sense to me is there's they sent them there for another reason like there's someone else there they needed to find there's something there they needed to find and again the uh, so again the the question is like maybe she didn't know he was there right and that she hands up there but again she seems to have sent him there right that's there's the no reason of n- none of it confusing. none of it makes even the hypothetical plan doesn't make any sense unless she intent. She knew where he was going to end up. Um, yes. So why so the, the blood tracking? Maybe the blood thing was to indicate something else. Maybe it was just to indicate that he was in, that he had his blood taken. Yeah, maybe she was just concerned about him, just concerned about his cholesterol. Or maybe they knew they were on deadline when that happened because they were about to find out he was a host. <laughs> That's and entirely then, possible. And then the game would be lost. We're going to come back to to that. I have a feeling at the end of the episode. We're going to wrap around. Next question. Uh, Another one. This is just another note I wanted to mention. No one mentioned this specifically, but William's childhood bedroom. While while we're on William, he's reading this book. It's. I did not look at this at all. I'm so excited. We're talking. So the book is actually made up. It seems that they've pulled some. they're, They're they're past the point of putting book Easter eggs into the show and they actually seem to have made up their own book with its own page. But one of the things on in the book, in the page he's reading is Sir William Rowan. And there's mm-hmm. actually a real uh, Sir William Rowan Hamilton, who is an, a scientist in Dublin in the 19th century, who made a number of crucial discoveries in all the theories of, in all the fields of science that the show's kind of dancing around including mm-hmm. the development of optics, dynamics, and algebra, which basically now is the, like, he was a forerunner of the field of quantum mechanics, which sounds really complicated, and it is, but basically, Rehoboam is a quantum computer. And he made a lot of uh, 
early steps in developing the ideas around it. So, for example, just, you know, I, I mean, we all know quantum mechanics, but in case you need a refresher, if a ray of, if a beam of light hits a coaxial crystal, it doesn't create two separate beams. It creates a cone or a circle. Or another really interesting discovery he made, and I'm not going to pretend to understand all the science, but an interesting discovery he made basically is that light can be a a ray of light can be preserved in reflections if it's at the right angle, like literally a right angle, but also just the right angle. And so he has a lot of really interesting discoveries about reflections and light and everything. I think it's actually really interesting that you have all this stuff about optics and also this thing called quaternions. (laughs) I'm not going to go into all the science stuff to spare you and I and all this, but I actually think there is a chance William's last name is Rowan or Hamilton because I think they've withheld his name for a reason. And I think that he's actually might be named William Rowan. My response to this is, Danny, you're too young <laughs> to have. Oh, you remember no, no, the 19th no, century. In general. You're too young to have uh, engaged in this sort of deep thinking in real time when Lost was on. Uh, Lost was a television show on the ABC network that came on every week. Many, many episodes. Lots of deep diving. Is that when you guys had to watch TV at a certain time? Yeah. And if you didn't catch it on the television, you just missed it? There were people that had DVRs, but those were rich people. Or like, (laughs) you know, the people that have like, just like the people that have like iPad pros that aren't artists, you know, like that. It was that (laughs) sort of person. Um, But yeah. So if you... Tuned in at 9.15, you just never saw the first 15 minutes ever of Lost? Oh, absolutely. Like, if you were, if you ever had a show that you were, like, inviting friends over because you all watch, if you all watch Lost together, like, you would, like, lock the door at 8.58. Like, there's just, don't, <laughs> don't even bother trying. Um, but, yeah, so they had lots of, te- lots of te- um, winks, or, or actually lots of references on the show. And, and when people got really into it, you, you would just every week just be like, scribbling down authors names or whatever you could see the titles of books and you'd be like yeah and then like they would become amazon bestsellers for 48 hours this old you know out of print physics books and whatever and then um it turned out at the end of the show without giving anything away none of them mattered at all <laughs> and it was just and it was just like well yes their authors i mean the, the the writers were reading this you know along the way they wanted to just kind of make sure that all the all the people watching the show knew that like they were Vonnegut fans too or whatever, and just to make you feel cool. But like they didn't, it doesn't actually necessarily amount to anything more than like set dressing. Peacock feathers, plumage. Exactly. Um, anyway, let's move on to the next question. Yeah, let's, let's, we, we got a, a lot on Maeve and this is one where Reddit has come in, come in very clutch. But before we get into what's going to happen with Maeve, let's just clarify what's going on with her. Cause I think it's kind of complicated. Uh, Wait, can I, can, I ask a question, can I ask a question about William before we get off William altogether? Oh, yeah. Since you're the expert. Bobby, I want you to jump in on this too. Th- think of the answer before you chime in because I want you to have your own answers. How tall is William? <laughs> I think he's 6'3", but he has a negative wingspan. Hi, Fitz, what do you think? <laughs> I was going to say 6'2", but now I'm worried it's like 5'9", but they just cast all <laughs> short actors and I don't even know. I would have said like 6'1" all season i mean all all series long and this and finally we get like a william f- feature like feature episode and i'm pretty sure he's like five four <laughs> well wait so, so how he's tall either, is ed harris no that's what i mean i think it's like it's, i think it's he's in, inescapably the height of ed harris now because we saw we've seen him in so many outfits was like from a bird's eye view but anyway oh no ed harris is five nine no also, he's like tom cruise they tom cruised us I, I do have to point out that um, one, Val Kilmer's height is trending. That's what Google is telling me right now. And two, Anthony Hopkins, also 5'9". Really makes you think. Anthony Hopkins is 5'9"? Maybe they're supposed to be the same person. That's, you know, you, you can't rule it out. Damn, my, my world is shattered. I, I am cognitive plateauing right now. Now now you can spend the rest of the day looking at Honestly, Getty images for him at, like, for Ed Harris at film premieres and stuff and see him stand, standing next to other people. Um, I... I just always thought of William as over six feet. And now that he's five, nine, I think I might have to just start watching devs. Well, it doesn't make any sense to me that he would be five, nine. So in the canon of the show, I refuse to believe he's five, nine because William is either like Napoleon guy and he's like five, four or he's like six, three and he failed upwards because he's a tall white guy. Like those are the only two options to me. Dude, that, <laughs> here, If we're being real, 
like that kid would have looked around and not been like, oh, I got old. He would have been shit. I'm not going to end up six feet tall. Yeah, Because yeah. that's what you're worried about when you're 11 is like, how tall am I? Am I going to be six feet or not? Am I going to be able to dunk? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, six, three negative wingspan and his career <laughs> petered out because he just didn't have the reach. Are you, you know, a kept wingspan the truther? I am a wingspan truther. Well, you know, I follow, I'm, I'm the basketball producer. It matters more in basketball. <laughs> well, we don't know that. I mean, wingspan's pretty important in Westworld. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're was, you started this. Don't give me the moving on. This is your fault. No, no. Moving on to how tall do you think Maeve is? <laughs> it's got to be if you're creating everybody from scratch. It's got to be a real decision to make like a short host, right? Like, do you think there's any characters in Westworld that are just like five, like guys who are like five two, but don't? But there's nothing about them. Like, there's nothing else. There's no reason for them to be short. It's just like, like the mayor of this DeVito? town is five two. Yeah, like there's everybody in the town. All right, I'm gonna read Andy's question. Can you explain why Maeve had to keep going back to War World? Didn't she die next to the barrels of the white liquid a few episodes ago? Who keeps repairing her? Is War World still operating as a normal park? The whole Maeve story arc confuses me. Yes. Yeah. If you're if you're actually just kind of dipping if you're Yeah, if you're not dipping looking your at like multiple the timelines, liquid. then yes. Okay, so everything that happened in um uh, when she was when she got stabbed by the white liquid in the Yakuza place, that was Maeve in her host body, right? In a newly yes. minted host body, or new? Wait, real host body or original host body or newly minted host body? Uh, printed. We're gonna assume that Sorak just printed her a new. Her model. original body is still in Westworld because they because they pulled the the host the control unit out of it, right? We found like that's what we saw yeah, in the first I, or the second episode, whatever. They found it the empty. Uh, Somebody clawed it out of the back of the head. Okay, so that was a real Mave. All the ex- all of Mave's times at War World or in conversation with Sirak have been in a simulation that doesn't actually exist. So there's no body necessary. It's just her control unit in a CPU talking to. Uh, well, I guess Sirak's kind of metaphor, metaphysical form, but like um, in a world that doesn't exist either. Correct. Yeah, it's like when she's in War World, she's playing Call of Duty, and when she's was with Dolores and all that. She was actually in like the real world. Like she was chilling. So now, whether that's also simulations, a whole other thing. And but, wh- and why and why she has to go back to War World ad nauseum. So why World? I cannot say War World. It's like messing me up every time. War World. Oh my goodness! It's the new Rehoboam. She. Wh- why it's War World specifically? We have no idea. But Sorak is the one who keeps pulling her in and out of the simulations because he wants her to help her to help him stop Dolores. That's what Sirach keeps doing with all this jazz. Uh, why it's War World specifically, I think that it's a decision on behalf of the just like the showrunners, Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy, to one, just provide an awesome set piece, two, draw a direct comparison between Sirach and fascism, and three, I think it's just those two things. <laughs> but is there any, if, if there's any, listen, I'm totally willing to, willing to ascribe this to narrative flourish and that's perfectly fine by me i don't need a deep reason but is there an under is there a is there a in wrestling we call this kayfabe um sort of taking everything at uh, at its storyline face value if we assume that everything is real is there a reason why sarak has to insert her into westworld via into the westworld cosmos via war world Oh, honestly, I have no clue why it would have to be War World. I really, I really don't know if there's a specific reason. It seems that he would want have wanted to put her in some kind of simulation just to talk to Dolores. Um, no, I, well, I don't we, know. It's, it's well, he it's, built he he built the War World simulation to kind of keep her in a loop to try to figure out what she knew. That was episode two. But then this episode, when he when she goes back in to find to make her super friends team. I guess she enters there because that's what he already has in his and little. He's created that for his simulation. Yeah, he's that's the t- fishbowl. It's like you bought the SpongeBob thing for your little fishbowl, like the pineapple, and now it's in there. And then you have it, and then you're like, all right, well, this is all I have. I might as. I guess I have to use this thing now. So they just start that, and then they carry instead of waiting till they got to the Delos HQ, they just like put her in the fishbowl and then ran like um like uh. Uh, Bill Murray and what about Bob? They like put the fishbowl in a jar around their neck and ran to Delos HQ and then dumped it into like the Delos H. You just pick a Bill Murray movie that was not Groundhog Day. Well, no, there's he wore a goldfish in a jar around his neck. You said fishbowl anyway. I'm gonna roll Groundhog Day. 
Hmm? She literally keeps waking up in the same situation every day. I think it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> That's the way I feel hosting this podcast. All right, next question. <laughs> okay. Um, major shout out to Heidi Beamer, who, one, has been tracking all of the Rehoboam divergences in a spreadsheet, and she's just an absolute gem and is just, uh, her, the work ethic is off the charts. Has she Two, been emailing she, this to us or she's doing this on Reddit? No, she's she's been emailing us a spreadsheet with all of the divergences tracking so we can figure out which is what it's it's immaculate work by Heidi. Heidi wow. Beamer is Heifetz's burner email account. <laughs> <laughs> I am Heidi Beamer. He's emailing uh, ours himself. <laughs> but I don't remember it. It's like memento. I'm just, you know, who knows? But anyway, she also just passed along that Reddit has probably figured out Maeve's squad. Is that what the kids are saying? Call of Duty now, Bob Squad. If you think I play Call of Duty, you don't know me as well as I think you do. Tough. Uh, no, but I, backyard baseball, though. That's for real. But anyway, it, we think we know who Maeve Squad is going to be because we, the episode, at the end of it, she's printing someone's body and we don't know who she's looking at. I think we, we have a really good idea now of who it's going to be. So, there's this, so there is a screen capture when Charlotte's doing the hacking and then one of Sorak's guys comes in and is like, I'm going to tell mom. And she's like, and then kills him. In that scene, she's there's a screenshot and there's they're printing four bodies. Right. One of them is Charlotte. I mean, not sorry, not one of them is Charlotte. Charlotte's looking at the screen. One of them's Maeve. So obviously we know Maeve because she printed. popped up at the end, right? Because she popped up at the end. We also know the other one's Hector. So we have Hector's body being printed. It's already halfway through. And that's then, the one that we saw coming up. Yes. And but there's no control unit now to put anything. So it's like when your printer's ink is low, except it's like cognitive plateau. But I am going to go out on a limb and say that she'll put Sizemore's consciousness into Hector's body since Hector is gone now and also because again Sizemore wrote Hector's character it just kind of makes a lot of thematic sense and also just pragmatic sense that Sizemore would be in Hector's body so that's my little guess so you've got Maeve and Hector and Sizemore who I'm just going to decide this right now I think we call it Heckmore going forward we're going to think about that Heckmore so there's two other people that are being printed so who are they Heidi is posted along. There is a screenshot going all along, all around Reddit. Um, someone has compared the serial number on one of these 3D printers to Clementine's serial number from a season one screenshot. It is the same serial number. So Clementine wow. is coming back. And the serial number is like nine, nine numbers long. So there's no way it's wrong. So Wait, Clementine is sorry, one of the I'm three sorry. people. So when we're looking at this screen, I'm looking at it right now. Each there's like a there, this is like a uh, one of those like uh, card games, like like a, like role playing card games. Where you like collect cards, like you're playing like whatever NFL NFL the card game version or whatever, and you like upgrade the attributes of each of your players. So NFL it's like each, the card game. No, what is it called? What's the name for like when instead of like it's like instead of like a traditional video game, you're just collecting player cards. It's like the Pokemon, like Pokemon? generation oh, yeah, of whatever. Okay, okay, okay so you're saying. But like, uh, so there's like a different card for each of these people. I guess the percentage is like how much of them is printed. Is that what I'm saying at the top? And then, or like <laughs> yeah, to what degree? And then, yeah, print completion. And then above that is a serial number. What's really, what's weird is that, wait, is that Clementine's, the first, it has this long serial number that matches a previous serial number is what you just said. But they, uh, but the first two, letters in the serial number are cp which are her initials yeah, which <laughs> just seems really kind of basic i guess it's like when you're making like a an, an invoice for a freelance job and you don't want to make it seem like it's the only freelance job you've ever done so you just make it like 45 digits long to sound like <laughs> to make it seem like you're a real company but this is like cp and you then a bunch like you of have numbers. some experience with that never and a bunch of numbers after that uh, and then so but then mave and hector if they're the first two don't they just have HC at the beginning of both there. So it's not just initials. It's just a coincidence that Clementine Penny Feathers first two letters are CP in her serial number. That's such an oddly specific point to pick up on. But yes, I think it's a it's either a coincidence or just the other ones don't have their initials as it. But yes. Okay. And then who's the fourth person? I'm sorry. I got us way off track. It's okay. You enlighten me. If I ever, when I start invoicing people, I'll remember to make sure it's like nine digits long. Um, so Maeve is the first one. Hector and size Heckmore is number two. Clementine's three. And then the other reason we know Clementine was probably going to be in the season, and this is kind of cheating, but whatever, is that Clement, the actress who plays her, was at the, the Hollywood press tour, like the, the launch, the premiere party in Hollywood. She was there. Mm -hmm. The other person, now this is also an email from Aaron Sullivan, who emailed us this. 
Aaron emailed the actress who played Clementine and I'm going to botch this, botch this name, Hana Rayo. Mm-hmm. Both attended the season three premiere. What are the chances these characters could be serving as additional currently unknown backup for Maeve? I think that Aaron is correct. I think yeah, that Clementine and, and, and Hana Rayo was the Shogun world version of Armistice. The, yes. like the, she was like face tattoos and all that stuff. Literally the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh-huh. So I think that that is the fourth person, which makes sense for two reasons. One, it makes pragmatic sense that she would bring her back because she's a fighter. You know, the uh, the other candidate is kind of, she could have brought back Akane because that's a version of Maeve and, you know, Dolores is all the versions of Dolores. But Akane doesn't, you know, I don't know how much help she's going to be in the real world. Uh, Hanarayo has fighting experience. Also, she has a history with Musashi. And if we're assuming that Musashi, who we haven't seen in a while, but he's probably degrading maybe like the new Charlotte is degrading because he's having an identity crisis. If he sees someone from his past, that will presumably accelerate him kind of degrading. So I think that for both those reasons, that's your um, fearsome foursome. Right. And uh, H is one of the initials um, of the first two letters of the serial number of whoever's being printed next. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to lean on initials as being the most important part of, of uh, any of these theories. All right. That's a pretty cool team. Yeah. Is there anybody in the greater Westworld universe that you would have that Maeve is aware of their existence? Who it would make sense that she would want her team more. Hmm. Does get me thinking. What if she's printed her daughter? That could solve a lot of problems. That is a really good question. I mean, I guess Sirak. <laughs> I know Ciroc it's not do that possible, because Sirak had like, to agree to everything. That's like why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? Yeah. What is there anybody else? I mean, I guess Shogun World was had tons of people who would make sense. I think Akane is the one that would make the most sense. Yeah, because she's kind of Maeve or Armistice Armistice Prime I mean why not she's seemed to be pretty good at doing her job of murdering people Armistice is a great call hey it's Bill Simmons I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify here's how you do it first search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app they have a library of over 750,000 podcasts at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Bill Simmons podcast with rewatchables or Dave Chang show or binge mode or the ringer NFL show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. You can't miss it. All the podcasts you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads and shows. Wait, it gets better on Spotify. You can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. Listen to this. Today's episode of the Bill Simmons podcast on the Ringer podcast network. Yeah, you can get drunk Bill. You can also do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they had a good cup of coffee. You can do 1.5 times. You can do two times. And if you're completely insane, you can do three times. Here's what that sounds like. Why would you do that? I think that's how we communicate with aliens. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature that's pretty cool. It's really, really good. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device, and you are good to go. Look, I don't want to app shame you, but you should actually be embarrassed if you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify. And if you don't believe me, listen to Drunk Bill at 0.5 speed. Tell him, Drunk Bill, the Bill Simmons podcast. Listen on Spotify. We got a lot of questions because I think you, Juliet, and I all all agreed on the fact that Char Loris would probably end up teaming with Maeve. Oh, even though Maeve is allied with Ciroc, who blew up that truck. So I think that the biggest question we got. The number one hands down oh. this week was, first of all, did Ciroc blow up Charlotte's car and kill her family? Or was it Dolores? And then number two, why would Charlotte end up teaming up with Maeve if Maeve is allied with Ciroc? I think those are both worth going into, but I think we kind of have to get into it in order of, first off, do you think that Dolores, is it possible that Dolores blew up Charlotte's car? No. I mean, yes, of course, anything's possible. Uh, so, okay, here's my read. Um, 
first things first, this is a fantastic question and a thing that we totally took for granted. So I, 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 nothing that I say subsequent to this should uh, should uh, shout you know, out to ignore Lisa, Dane, Kellen, and Paul, and the other people who sent us this in. A lot of emails. Uh, from this I think if there's any good evil alignment that's inevitable in this show this season. Well, number one is that Ciroc is a villain, uh, at least for the for the remainder of the season. But who knows? We thought that about Ford. And but two, I, mean, I think more importantly, it's that Maeve is is going to stay on the side of the angels, um, at least like at the you know with some twists and turns. And so I think that her divergence from Sirac is almost a done deal. Like he's holding her hostage, right? This isn't like, it's not like they're like ideological, ideologically aligned. So I don't think that there's necessarily, that necessarily that's so, that's such a hard chasm to get across, right? I mean, that like Maeve and, and Charloris could team up my, and, and Dolores and Sirac are the ones left out. But anyway, to answer the other question, which is sort of smaller and equally as uh, straight ahead, straightforward in my mind, I don't think blowing up someone's car is not in the Dolores playbook, or at least blowing up a host's car is not in the Dolores playbook. I don't care if she went astray. She'd much rather, you know, kidnap her and bring her to a hotel room that she's rented on the spot and have a deep, <laughs> have, have, have a long conversation with her. So I would the think. main the main arguments in favor of the Dolores blew up the car are twofold. It's one that Ciroc's men were like, take her alive. He wants her alive. And then the other one was being, that Dolores and her and Charlotte kind of had, I don't know if falling out, but earlier and they disagreed about how important her family was so that Dolores would want Charlotte's family taken out of the picture so that Charlotte can focus. And then also that Ciroc didn't want to kill Dolores. Now, obviously Charlotte didn't die. So she is alive. Um, yeah. Okay. But look, just look, let's look at this from a storytelling perspective between Dolores and Ciroc, which one can you imagine next episode saying, Hey, I didn't mean to kill you. I was just trying to kill your family. That's something that Sirach would say, like with a smirk on his face. Hey, you didn't have to go back there. I thought that you'd be here. I, I was just trying to get rid of them. You know? Dolores I agree. Wouldn't. And also, there's just a simpler one to me. Like, the simplest answer here is just the guy who walks away, like there's an explosion, and then he like talks to someone on the phone, and he walks away. That guy's with Sirach earlier in the episode. Like, he's oh, just, well, there you he's go. Straight up with Sirach. So while I see why some people think that Dolores maybe had some motivation to kill herself in some way, kill the Charlotte version of herself. <laughs> if Dolores has somehow figured out that Ciroc's men, literally the guy next to Ciroc 30 minutes earlier, can just be watching this by total happenstance, when Ciroc has literally threatened her family earlier in the episode, um, it's like the Occam's razor thing. It's like to say that Dolores did this to me is just the ultimate like guessing zebras. <laughs> I think it's giving Occam's razor not enough credit or too much credit. I, I hope that I wish that every question that we had asked, I, I, the, the format of the show should be like, you ask a question, I ramble for five minutes and then you just say, Oh, but one of Ciroc, also one of Ciroc's men was standing in the background of that scene. <laughs> that should just be every yeah, question. Well, I mean, I can't just, I mean, I can't couldn't just give you that up. I hope that's the answer to everything. It's just like so. Uh, who do we think? Do, do we think? Uh, do we think Williams a host or a, a host or a human? And you're just like, well, one of Ciroc's men was standing there with a sign that said, "You are a host." I don't think a lot of people saw that. Anyway, let's move on. What's next? Well, the second part of that is, I think you actually hit that very well. The second part is that Maves. Why would Maeve, why would Charlotte align with Maeve and Maves allied with Ciroc? But I think you hit the nail on the head there, which is that she's not with Ciroc because she likes Ciroc. The second that she can figure out a way to screw Sirac and get back to her daughter, she will. She's just, you know, she's not a willing participant. So I think that's the answer there. And guess who probably knows how to get a hold of her daughter? Oh, yeah, it's in her head. There you go. Bang. See, scratch your back and then I'll unlock the key to the sublime in my in my back. Mm -hmm. That's how the saying goes. Beautiful. Um, Next up, this one's just from Bo. This is just a logistics question. Is the assumption that the old crusty pearl is the OG Dolores pearl control unit? Or is it Peter Abernathy or possibly someone else? If I remember correctly, there were five pearls in Haloris's bag and she was when she was on the boat at the end of season two, one of which was a different color from the other four. Uh, thoughts on whether or not this is the same pearl? No, I think that one's the exploded one that came from yeah, Connell's head. Yeah, they explained that, right? Yeah, the this old, is, it, it's an important crustiness, The oldness and crustiness were, I think, solely to just convey that it had survived the explosion at Insight Tower. It's newness and, ex- and dustiness. Not so much crustiness. It's like uh, it got blown to smithereens, except it's not really. A, it's not. It's just a smither. It's not even a smithereen. It's still in smither tact. So then that's still a Dolores, and they put her in ta- in into the 
little unit, and then Charlotte had to steal it back so that they couldn't get the key and all that jazz. Which, by the way, more things should happen off screen like that. Like that's a perfect. Like, oh look, we of course they got the pearl. Like whatever. It doesn't. We don't need. We don't need to see like half an episode devoted to that because whenever we see the nuts and the, or the mechanics of it, it's, it inevitably falls flat. So anyway, wonderful, wonderful work with uh, by them on that bit. All right. Speaking of the Delori. Justin asked, is there possibly a correlation with Warworld and the last host unit being in Berlin? Ooh. I find it interesting they keep bringing back Warworld into it, and I think there has to be some symbolism into it. That is a good explanation for why Warworld might exist. Wait, because what? We saw, the last host unit is in Berlin? Yeah, so this is actually from last week where they mentioned to Sorak all the locations of the breaches, and they're like, there's one in oh, Jakarta, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's one in Los Angeles, the San Francisco. One of them's in Berlin. So we know kind of roughly the other reasons um but berlin is interesting so the idea that we might be going to germany in the next two episodes is interesting and well, i actually just thought i of mean this, i don't know if caleb's an american soldier and we don't know who he's a soldier for but if he's an american soldier the largest concentration of u.s soldiers outside the united states is in germany so caleb's backstory that we're probably gonna get all of next week might happen in germany that is the best guess i could go for of why we keep seeing war world well okay but we've also seen charlora sort of you know being at odds with her creator and, and bernard who dolores created too is just sort of on walkabout if she if she similarly failed with another you know one of her host creations i mean i know this is in the future but you know berlin's got relatively cheap rent a really good art scene i mean maybe there's just a host that's out there just like living the life <laughs> Under under a lot of a lot of underground art. <laughs> I just want you know. Never mind. All right. Um, no, what were you yeah. going to say? No, don't that was it. it. That was just it. Is that, like, like I, I can think of a lot of reasons to move to Berlin. That, that would, I don't know. Um, if I was a host trying to start over, you know, figuring something out. Anyway, um, a lot of people go to you know European countries to find themselves. That's, that's, that's what I'm doing after I'm all making. of this. After I'm from released from producing this podcast, I'm going to move to Berlin and find myself. Uh, but that is interesting. It would be great if something with War World actually mattered other than just it's cool that it's War World. Although Bobby will come back and then we'll be because it'll be three years from now when Westworld season four is. And we'll just make sure that we'll have Ford asking him, did you find what you were searching for? You mentioned the trailer for next week, which has a lot of it looks like it's just going to be Caleb, Caleb, a very Caleb centric episode. Uh, there's a lot of pictures of him like he has a shaved head. He's in. He's in uh in the shit, as they say, him in like full military get ups, um flashing forwards and backwards. I mean, is there a lot of kid cutty? A lot of kid cutty, all of them in fatigues. Um uh they're in some sort of like vaguely Middle Easternish looking environment, although with the mountains in the background, I guess that could be anywhere. That could even be like somewhere on Westworld for all we know. Um I have not done uh, frame by frame breakdown of this. We have we 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 once again see the two guys in um, eyeball covered ski masks, like holding guns on people. That's by the way, that's definitely Caleb and Kid Cudi. Um, that's just my interpretation. Is there anything else that we need to say about that? I mean, we we're, we're this is going to be. I mean, I think, I every, think we've all been a little bit back and forth on Caleb this season, but this is definitely like the the Akechita bottle episode. Yeah, my, my of, guess of this season, right? My guess going into it with nothing but the flash flash forwards we've seen, which are obviously as unreliable as it gets, is it seems to be um, my guess is that it's the story of two soldiers who become disillusioned and do mercenary work or wet work. And I think that's my that's my guess. But just structurally, this looks like it's going to what is it? Oh, Kiksuya. Oh, yeah. No, I think. Yeah, structurally, it's Kiksuya. Yes, I think it's it's a whole episode around Kiksuya. This is a person then, that we've really just been into. I mean, I guess we've gotten a lot of that this season. I mean, we got a lot of, you know, we had Sorok and bits and pieces, and we got the whole Sorok backstory, which is that was sort of Kiksuya, too. But um, Caleb I mean, you have is, to think we, that had, when they pitched Aaron Paul on joining the show, they explained this episode to him. I have to think that. Well, because he's gotten a really surprisingly small amount of screen time so far. He's, he's, he's certainly central to the show, but, you know we've just seen what two episodes in a row where he like put a bag on a plane. It was, you know, I mean, that was totally like, that was the like some of his, of his activity. Bobby, um, did you have thoughts on Aaron Paul you wanted to share? I just want to know how his head got so circular, man, like with the <laughs> shaved head. I just, it's so circular. It almost looks like the cutscenes with the Rehoboam. Oh, you think that's meaningful? You think Caleb's <laughs> Rehoboam? 
That would be like the real crackpot version of this theory of mine. I no, it's it's. I think it's just an Aaron Paul thing, man. I like you know Jesse Pinkman shaves his head a couple times, and and I thought that while watching Breaking Bad. So I don't think it has anything to do with Westworld. Although speaking maybe it of does. Jesse, speaking of Jesse Pinkman, another thing rolling around Reddit this week was that in this promo for next week's episode, Dolores tells Je- she tells Jesse she tells Caleb that you know your whole life you think you've been a follower and now a lead and. Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, has described Jesse's role in Breaking Bad as a follower who thinks he's, or sorry, a leader who thinks he's a follower. The free space on the the Wednesday episode bingo card is just us talking about Jesse Pinkman and Breaking Bad. Like this happens every week. I have no problem with that. One thing that I guess we should mention about the trailer, uh, since we've already talked about William, is uh, there's a scene. Uh, uh, just a flash of a scene about 33 seconds into the next week on Westworld where Bernard is looking at a big computer screen with uh, Williams like player card up there. And it has, I'm his, surprised uh, gen- they put this in the trailer. It says it, his genetic abnormalities are listed there and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another toggle box popped up that says status deceased. Uh, that could be something else that he popped up, although it seems to have the same registration number. Um, do you think, is this them just telling us that William is, dead and has always been a host or is this just a red herring or what what, are, what am i looking at here or do we just I'm, don't know i'm torn because i mean it literally just says william's face it has william's face next to it with deceased for like a full two or three seconds to the point where it's so I, i'm shocked that it like it's a if it's showing if that's the definitive proof that he's dead and he's a host i'm kind of surprised they would put it in maybe he's just committing voter fraud <laughs> maybe you know he's just on the rolls all right, next question. We gotta wait, get wait, out of hold here. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Can I say something really quickly about that? Please, please. That's a that's a sci-fi trope as as old as time itself, man. You put the dude's face on a screen while some like coder dude is bringing up pop-ups and everything, and it says he's deceased. That's how you know he's not deceased. That person almost never ends up actually. That's a dead good point. When the computer really thinks point. that he's dead. Um, it's a good yeah. point, Bob. And maybe what was this episode called again? Oh, decoherence. That's the quantum mechanics. Yeah, so maybe the decoherence, dece- maybe just de- deceased has a different meaning in this computer system. Just like decoherence is suddenly a word we're supposed to know. Um, Coherence is what, I'm sparing you the science. Quantum computer like Rehoboam needs coherence to operate. So decoherence is one of the problems with a quantum computer is it will decohere. So decoherence means Rehoboam is having a bad time. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This podcast is having decoherence. That's a fact. Graydon asked about fire killing hosts. Graydon says we get to see that fire doesn't kill a host when Charloris climbs out of the burning car. The video we see of Ciroc's guys destroying, in air quotes, hosts shows them using a flamethrower. Is that just an oversight from the showrunners? Or could we think that those hosts could still be functional? It would be an awesome shot to see a bunch of burned hosts rising up to fight. That's a good point. That's a great point. There's a, the logical answer is like, I mean, Sherlock didn't walk out of the flames like the Terminator or something. I mean, it's clear that like enough time in that if she had stayed in there five minutes longer, she probably would be out of commission. Um, so maybe it works eventually. But I do like the idea that it was a tease that, you know, you're melted and you're you look broken down, but you're not you're not out of commission, even though those hosts from that room were technically out of commission. I think that was a good point. I th- so when they started using the flamethrowers, my mind went to Ford ta- telling in the season two finale. He tells the story of the fire of the library of, Gra- of Alexandria mm-hmm. and how at first it was about all the stories that was lost. And then the story became about the fire itself. Uh, I-, I think that the idea of like the fire being all the host data being lost is interesting. I like this better. <laughs> Honestly, I like them rising from a literal hell and they're already in the basement sure. of that place. I love them turning it into a hell. I, I actually think Graydon's on point. I think that it would be really cool, actually, if they all joined the fight. Just like, actually, that's a season one ended. But a more important question about the fire in the car. This is from Danny from New York. This is from me. I sent this in. What happened to the dog? Okay, here's the... I answered this, by the way, in our last episode. So go back and listen to that if you're confused. But... um. Why do we even think she has the dog? Because she took it home with them for the kid. No, they she took walked the dog. A, she she walked away from the park, from that place in the park with it. But like, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't just tell your dog, "Look what we have now." Like you, not the dog. She told the kid, "We have a dog now." 
So now look, obviously she is not going to be capable of taking care of this dog because Charlores just can't run her own life. She can't even pick her kid up. How's she going to take care of this dog? Dog was going to die if she took care of it. Obviously, the dog was going to be at the ex's place. So the dog wasn't in the car. What happened to this dog? Did she let it run free? She didn't take it to a shelter. I think she I think the moment the camera cut off from that scene with her walking triumphantly with the golden retriever in the park, she was just like. This park is your home now and like, let it go. No, this is your problem. You're Mr. Off screen. You want to see everything happen off screen. And now you're like, well, maybe she got rid of the dog off screen. No, this is the Chekhov's gun. There's Chekhov's dog. You cannot introduce a dog in act one of a season and not have the dog at the end of the season. It has to. We have to see the dog again. And so I'm wondering, is the dog the key to knowing that there are two realities? There is one reality. There's one reality where Charlotte has a dog and there's another reality where there's no dog. Oh, because taking the dog would have been the anomaly. Well, it's just like there's one dog. There's one simulation where she has a dog and this was not it. I mean, what? yeah, they that just, would make killing that will that would make I'm, killing the kid a lot easier to swallow, too, if it didn't actually happen. huh? I'm joking, but I'm actually not at all. How on earth do they not have a dog? The dog has to be somewhere. If we never see this dog again, I'm going to be pissed. Do you realize how insane you sound right now yelling about the dog in Westworld in your basement yelling Chekhov's dog? I love it. I mean, I'm here <laughs> for it. But you sound and look ridiculous right now. And I think Shoemaker will back me up on that. I have no comment, except let's go to the next question. From someone that doesn't, that is not an employee of the ringer, please. <laughs> the people are on my side. Um, Matar asks, where does Ciroc's assets rank in the pantheon of terrible security outfits? Given Sirach's power, I feel like his assets should not be getting outgunned or outsmarted to this degree. Can someone say drone strike? Uh, I agree. I think his guys have been pseudo-competent, but he's literally a trillionaire. He's the richest man in the history of humankind. So you'd think that his guys would be better than this, not like getting their necks twisted because also he's like, I'm going to tell Sirach, like, you have to go physically just radio that shit over. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, and the worst part about it, I mean, it could just be a crack. You could just chalk it up to his overconfidence, but he did say two episodes or yeah, two episodes ago in genre, he said, send everybody. And like, it was like four SUVs with a total of like seven dudes. I think there's been a real devolvement of like teamwork and like the physical world and like, you know, process in this world. They clearly are relying too much on technology and computers because even if you go all the way back to season one, the security it, at Delos is not doing anything well. They have no protocol. There's just no protocol in this world. And Serac is no exception. So this is a trippy, this is the ultimate retcon argument. But I actually think in some ways, the best way to make season one and two better is to actually be like, oh, the whole thing was in a simulation. Because it would actually be the only way to explain some of the parts of season one and two are dumb. Like when Felix and Sylvester, like when they slit Sylvester's fucking throat and then fixes him and then Felix and Sylvester are like, yes, yeah, we'll still roll with you. It's fine. No one notices. No, like that's one of those things where if it's a simulation, it suddenly makes sense. But you watch it again. You're like, damn, I don't know why she slit his throat and he kept rolling with this whole thing. It didn't really make any sense. So I, I do. I do wonder about those basic parts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the podcast. I mean, is you pausing and saying, yeah. <laughs> we, I, yeah. We that's when that. I know we need to move on. Um, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, let, let's just, I mean, I, they're terrible. His, his, his soldiers are terrible. They're, they're red shirts. I mean, I don't even know what to say about him. I just wish they were like, it would just be cooler if there were more of them. You know, I mean, they, they can be terrible, but it's just like, they're like, there's four at a time. And doesn't he have the ability just to like, create the bitcoin it would take to hire everybody on rico to come in for a hit i mean that like isn't there aren't there like a million ways that he could like put together like gigantic drone army that would not take that, that would be more formidable than what he's doing that would be more fun if there's just like a hundred million dollar hit on rico that would be better yeah. and the entire and that's the whole, that could be the whole season them just slipping slipping assassination attempts could be the like running plot line the whole season yeah, these guys are just trying to beat this rock'em sock'em robot out. They're just shooting their P nineties, this like forty foot robot, and they all say they're shooting it. Like if one of them had run off, he could they could have saved the day. For like for if they the just killed guys. the thing, wouldn't that have been shocking? Like if they just shot the thing and it died, that would have been absolutely mind blowing. I still don't understand how we're three seasons into a world in which robots are nearly human, more powerful than humans, more significant in society than humans, and none of them have an off switch. That the owner, <laughs> the only true. off switch that exists is like the, 
the garage door opener that Ciroc and now Bernard have in their, have in their pockets. Like someone has created this. We've just chosen to not give it to the people that own the, just own the robots. That's kind of weird, right? It's 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 a little weird. There could be more off switches. Matar, if right. I was gonna if I was going to buy a a um, custodian robot, the one that we saw in episode two, that if unleashed had the power to rip me in half, I think I would like to have an on off switch on my keychain just to be safe. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into nuggets. Uh, Eric mentioned that the circle in the. Uh, like on the wall, there's an art, there's a painting of a circle in his, in Charlotte's ex's apartment that looks a lot like the art in Ciroc's office. And they both kind of look like what Charlotte's carved into her chest. Uh, thought that was intriguing. Also a little horrifying, but, and mm. also obviously it looks like Rehoboam. So that's kind of interesting. Just the circles coming over and over. Uh, Nathan, right before he gets blown up, the little kid has like closes his door and goes to his room. There is a snake looming over his door you guys gave me a lot of shit when I said that Ciroc was like the snake in the Garden of Eden, but aha! Uh-huh! So I just want to point that out. And then, <laughs> uh, just shout out to William, who mentioned the entropic death of the planet. Uh, just shout out to Entropy, the second law of ther- thermodynamics, that the level of disorder in the universe is steadily increasing. Disorder is chaos. So when they William's talking about chaos and stuff, it's not even just like a city anarchy in the streets thing, but there's a, like a scientific type of chaos that the show is kind of shouting out and then also shout out to quantum mechanics which you know everyone <laughs> at the ringer knows i've i'm long known as the, the go-to quantum mechanics expert at this company yes uh, and you'll be taking a deep dive into the quantum mechanics of the nfl draft uh, such as it exists coming up later this you week thought this I was de- decoherence that's gonna be decoherence that's gonna be incoherence for sure all right let's do it we got to get out of here but w- before we go uh, here's time for a brief journey into Reddit out of context with our producer, Bobby Wagner. Bobby, you read a Reddit headline and Danny Heifetz will defend it. Talk about entropy, baby. Here we go. Charlotte is Darth Vader's origin story. This comes from Lamplighter. Yeah, she lost the high ground. Obvious. <laughs> she was in the top floor of that thing. She goes to the basement. What are you doing? You missed the obvious one in that she gets burned to a fucking crisp bro yeah it's the same scene she got burned yeah obviously lose the high ground you end up fired like lava all right next one i took a little bit of liberty with this one and i I pared it down a little bit but uh jack dutton didn't actually say this but this is what i interpreted dr albert who's william's doctor is timothy leary (laughs) noted inventor of lsd oh shit wow (laughs) wow wait no you joke about that there's like some really out there redditors are saying that like there's like lsd molecules or some of the art so yeah i can see it wow i gotta tell you i've never been interested in like deep lsd lsd theories but do you, you know think maybe, they took too maybe much lsd Westworld. making this show or do you think they did not take enough probably the former i think the examples of people being actually like creative in a good way on that kind of mind-altering stuff it's a pretty it's a, it's a pretty select group all right, next up. I don't. There's nothing for you to really defend here, but this was well out of context when I saw it and came across it, and I just want you to react with it along with me to this. And it's mm-hmm. uh, this friend comes from cat who prefers dogs. Cat who prefers dogs says William is a millennial. Oh, I saw this one. <laughs> the show is currently set in 2058, and William is roughly in his 60s, which means he was born in the 1990s or late 80s. So William, oh my god, you're saying William grew up watching SpongeBob? William mm-hmm. is hashtag nineties kids remember. Holy crap! So what we should have the whole show is just should have been like him yelling future. <laughs> oh my yeah, Will, William is a SpongeBob memer. I think the when I think the I think the part of it that you're not uh, spending enough time on is uh, he's uh, just way too entitled, and that's his greatest flaw. But go on. I mean, he is kind of entitled. He just kind of takes over this company, which was not his father. So, Thinks anyway. everything's about himself. Speaking of fathers, uh, LL Fat J says, we all become our fathers. What do you think this means in the context of Westworld, Danny? We're just in the context I'm of... I'm just thinking or, about LL Fat J. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't that... I think the Greeks figured that out like 5,000 years ago. All right, final one. 
This one is the uh, the hottest one yet, and this is why we stuck it at the end of the podcast. It's just, did Westworld know about the virus? Danny, go. This comes from Winter Twelve Eleven. Did Westworld know the coronavirus? The coronavirus. The reduced population in LA. There's not a lot of people roaming the streets, so people wearing oh, masks. They have masks and stuff. Reddit Ooh. has some questions. Reddit has some questions. That's all I got to say. No, I think that if anyone knew about this beforehand, it's it's the New England Patriots. And they got rid of Tom Brady because they knew that he would be 44 for the next NFL season, not 43. I think Westworld just got lucky. Well, you can tell where Danny's head's at. Uh, yeah. you, if you want to hear more from Heifetz, pay attention to the NFL draft on the ringer.com at the end of this week. If you want to hear more from us as a team, as a family, we'll be back on Sunday night uh, after the next episode of Westworld on the recapables westworld you can get in touch with us anytime you want uh, at the recapables westworld at gmail.com um i believe that's everything that needs to be said danny don't forget to the world central kitchen donate if you can wonderful cause world central kitchen bobby that's all i got thanks for listening everyone see you on sunday humanoids